Welcome to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast aims to bring the sermon from our Sunday morning service to you each and every week. Whether you're a longtime follower of Christ or just beginning to explore who Jesus is, we invite you to join us as we dive deep into God's Word and what He has to teach us today. So listen in as we jump into what God has in store. Uh, well, good morning. Good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It's so good to be together today. Welcome everybody here at our Franklin campus. Welcome to our online campus and welcome back to our series. We're in this great series called Live in Love. And it's a series about dating, about marriage, and how do we do that right in all of our relationships? How do we have love and live in love? Because God wants us to, right? God created love. We saw that last week and God wants us to thrive in our love life. And so we're starting each of the sermons with an incredible interview with somebody on our staff. And today we have Pastor Jacob and Shanna, his wife, and just so thankful for you guys anyway. And I want people to hear a little bit of your story today. So, so Jacob, tell me how you guys met. I love telling this story. Shanna, not so much, but um, so I was in 10th grade. Shanna was in ninth grade and we lived in Mississippi and she went to the private school and I went to the public school. So we weren't allowed to talk to each other. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. But they were about a mile from each other, our school. So um, we were aware of each other in circles. But I think the first time we actually met was at church. Shanna actually went to the church and I just showed up there. Uh, Shanna went to church because she loved Jesus. I went there because they had two things I was interested in, uh, a basketball court and girls there. Um, <laughs> so I'll, I would show up like after youth group and uh, that's where we met. But back then she didn't want anything to do with me because she was smart uh, and I was a troublemaker. So, But he was funny. It's so. <laughs> a good quality. Um, but it wasn't until I became a follower of Christ in my mid-20s till I was on the greatest social media site ever, MySpace. And um, I sent her a message. She was living here in Nashville, and I was still living in Mississippi. And I was like, hey, do you remember me? And she was like, yeah, I remember you. And I was like, I love Jesus now. And I promise, I wish I had a copy of her response back to me because it literally said this, I do not believe you. <laughs> um, and I've been proving it to her for the last 20 years that... So here we are, 16 years of marriage later and four kids later, and now she loves me more than she ever has, right? Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys, I love that. I love this, the story and how God brought the two of you together. So tell us a little bit, what, I mean, in those 16 years, what's your greatest joy in marriage? What's also your greatest challenge? Yeah, those are great questions. Um, so I'll start with challenges. I mean, 16 years, you have a lot of life together. So we've had some big challenges, like losing a child, losing mm -hmm. parents, those kind of things that have been so hard to walk through. Um, but I would say just for every couple, really, um, just going into a marriage, being sinful, selfish people, we didn't really grow up with like a biblical picture of marriage. So we were kind of just going in blind, really, mm. um, with different backgrounds, different upbringings, all the different things. And then you're in a house together trying to figure out life together, right? <laughs> in your 20s. So I would say that was probably the biggest challenge those first few years. Yeah. Um, and then I would follow that up with our greatest joys. Um, we realized early on, and this was before Jacob was even in ministry or a pastor or we had to be at church or any of those things. <laughs> we were like, we need to be in church on Sundays because we don't know what we're doing. And that's where we met some of the most amazing couples mm -hmm. that were... Um, 
really loved Jesus and they were striving after Jesus. And I was like, this is the first time I've seen couples that really, I feel like, love each other and love the Lord and they're pursuing Jesus. And so we got involved in a small group, even though it you know, it felt awkward. We didn't really want to, mm. but we did it. And we were so blessed with these people that taught us what it looked like and that walked alongside of us and showed us what it's like to be honest and vulnerable when we would go to them and be like, we're not sure we like each other today or whatever. <laughs> and normal. that was this morning. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, that's normal. You're two imperfect people yeah. walking and trying to figure out and pursuing Jesus together so that's what i would say wow that's that's good that's strong so so how do you do that how do you keep jesus at the center of your marriage yeah you know we have the practical things like you know we value prayer in our home so we we pray regularly together as a family you know sherry said that church is a value for us we're gonna our family's gonna be at church and you know we're reading the bible together we have our devotions with the kids we we, we put those things in place but i i, I kind of say it like this is like shanna sees me at my best and she sees me at my worst. She sees me when I'm at my most raw. I mean, just she sees the holistic of who I am, unlike anybody else. And she and she loves me anyway. And and me to her, that even if we're having a down day, we can still be there and serve each other. And that's just a picture of how much Jesus loves us. And so, in essence, we are the greatest reflection of Jesus to one another in our marriage. That if we're even a day when, I mean, we have four kids, there's times when everybody is at each other uh, like this. But if we're like not agreeing on something and I can still go and put my arms around her and love her, I'm showing my kids that love is not something we're earning from mm. one another, that we just love each other and choose to do it every day. And I think that's one of the greatest ways to keep Jesus at the center is reflect Jesus to each other on a daily basis. That's awesome. Wow. That sums it up. So good. Well, Jacob, Shannon, thank you guys. And thank you for the way you model that for us here at church. And your kids are amazing. And we're just so thankful to serve God with you both. So blessings on you. Thanks for sharing. Let's give them a hand. Yeah. That's a good job. Wow. So good. Isn't it? And it's real life, right? It's real life. And that's the thing that we're talking about. Last week, we talked about how God created love right? It was his idea. So we can look at the world and say, what does the world say? And the world says, love is love. But the Bible says God is love. And so if we want a true definition of what love is, we look at the Lord God Almighty and how he created us. And then today we're talking about how do we grow in love, right? You got imperfect people here in this equation. And so how do we grow in that love? How do we value one another? And we said, start with the Lord first, and then how we love each other matters to God. So if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you open with me to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3. Last week, we were in Genesis 1 and 2, and so we saw the creation narrative, how God created the world, how God created the heavens and the earth, how it was all wonderful, and he always said, this is good, this is good, and then he creates man, and he looks at man, and the only place where he says something is not good, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And we all know that. We were created for community. We were created for relationship. So we left off in chapter 2 with God creating a helpmate, a partner named Eve for Adam. And took a rib from Adam, a partner, somebody to serve alongside, an equal. And they were there together, the intimacy that we saw last week. The intimacy with God, the intimacy in their marriage. It was amazing, right? They were both naked and they felt no shame. It was perfect. And so the Bible was perfect, right, for two chapters. And then we get to chapter 3 and everything changes in chapter 3. 
It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So here comes, right, Satan. Now, Satan hates God, but Satan can't get to God, right? So he goes after God's children. So the tempter comes in the serpent and says, did God really say? And isn't that the way sin always starts? Did God really say? Oh, come on. Isn't that a gray area? You know, God didn't really say. Well, the woman knows, right? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. So she said, I know, right? This is exactly what God said. There are boundaries, right? God wants us to thrive in love, but God's like, there's some boundaries. You do it my way. Trust me. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Well, when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good, good for food and pleasing to the eye. Isn't that interesting? Oh, wow. Just staring at that forbidden fruit. And after a while, it starts to look so good, pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some of it and ate it. Mmm, the sin, the disobedience. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Isn't that amazing? They didn't even know they were naked before. They were just being real with God, being real with each other. Things were great, and now sin. And immediately they go, oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute. And you see the consequences that come. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, that's about the funniest verse in the Bible to me, because it's like, here comes God. Let's hide behind this bush, right? <laughs> I mean, he's never going to find us over here. You know, like, really? I mean, God just created all this, you know? It's like, what are we doing? But that's what we do. That's what we do. We still try to hide from God so many times. You know, I know I shouldn't watch that show, so let's turn the lights off. <laughs> I, know, I know I shouldn't be in this situation. I know I shouldn't have those thoughts. So, but, but I'm not going to confess that. I'm not going to say that. I'm just going to hide from God and act like God can't find me. <laughs> but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, well, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. Remember, man wasn't afraid of God before. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I command you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Wait a man up, buddy. Wait a man up, like, <laughs> he doesn't step up and go, yeah, I did. Let me confess. Let me stick up for my wife. No, he's like, she did it. It was her. It was her. God, not me, right? I mean, I was just like over here, and this is a bystander. You know, she's feeding me, right? And no, he just immediately blames. Isn't that what we do so many times? Not my fault, right? I mean, it's her. And not only that, he blames not only her, but then he's like, God, you made her. So really, you know, it's kind of your fault. I mean, like if you hadn't have made her, we wouldn't be in this situation. You know, the blame game starts right here. <laughs> Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Not my fault, it was the serpent, right? The serpent deceived me. 
So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly. Imagine that. I mean, snakes didn't crawl on their belly before then, right? You'll crawl on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Isn't that amazing? Right here in Genesis chapter three, we already see the gospel. We already see that the offspring of the woman, who's that gonna be? Jesus, the son of God will come. And right, Satan will attack and Satan will tempt and Satan will put him on the cross. But you know what? God wins and Jesus will prevail over evil. Good will triumph. You see it right here. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains and childbearing very severe. And with painful labor, you will give birth to children. You imagine before Genesis 1 and 2, there was no pain in childbirth. It's pretty awesome back then, right? But now the sin and the consequences, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. You know, I'm the dad of three daughters. So I always tell my daughters like, date with your head and not just your heart. You know, don't, don't go in that relationship just going, hey, I'm gonna date, you know, because I'm going to be in love, right? And I have these feelings, right? Date with your head. Make sure they're godly. Make sure they're loving Jesus. I love Shanner's response. You know, do you really believe in Jesus, right? Are you just saying that, right? Because you want to go out with me? I mean, what's the deal? But be wise in that. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you'll eat food from it all the days of your life. We saw in our heaven series that before the sin came in, work was given to man in the garden to work the garden, but it was enjoyable. It was fun. It was rewarding, right? And now after sin, it's hard. Work is difficult. It will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. See, man wasn't even going to die in Genesis 1 and 2. Created eternity with God because holy God, and there wasn't a sinful man. Now there's a sinful man. So now ashes to ashes and dust to dust until we're redeemed in Christ. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. Then look at verse 21. I don't know if you underline your Bible or highlight or star, but this is amazing. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. To me, that is so incredible. God didn't go, okay, well, you're done. Starting over, right? I'm just gonna like wipe you out. No, God started to redeem and restore. Made garments of skin to come down. If he's making garments of skin, what does that mean? An animal had to die. Blood had to be spilt so that they could be covered out of their shame, out of their guilt, out of their nakedness before God. But you see, God took the initiative. And when they sinned, God came to them. And when we sin, God comes to us. We have a God who loves us and he won't give up on us. Praise be to God. All right, if you're taking notes today, here's some things that I want you to write down. This is so important for us. I, I really believe if you know, wherever you are in your relationships today, wherever you are in your marriage or dating relationships or your friendships, but even in the future, I mean, here's some things that I want us to get today. So if you've got a worship guide, if you are online and you want to pull up the Rolling Hills app, the Church Center app, the number one is what you see is the impact of sin on all our relationships. The impact of sin 
right? Now all of a sudden you got two imperfect people. Now <laughs> you got Adam and Eve, right? You got the impact of sin. Sin enters in. You know, you still have the temptations that come. Now you've got the brokenness. We live in this fallen world. Sin brings shame and blame in our relationships with God and with each other. Sin brings shame and blame, right? We get shameful for God because of our sin. But then instead of owning up to that, confessing that, many times what do we do? We blame. We blame. And that begins to put the pressure and the stress on the relationship. And yet in the middle of that brokenness, in the middle of that hurt, in the middle of that pain, in the middle of the imperfection, God calls us to live in love. That's what God calls us to. God calls us to respond as he responds. God wants us to live in love. You know, I do a, a lot of weddings and uh, it's, it's fun, it's amazing, but there's this moment, right, when the man and the woman, they exchange their vows and they're standing there looking at each other and, and they make this commitment, right, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health and forsaking all others until death do us part. And many times we just want the, the first part of those vows, right? We want the better, we want the richer, right? We want the health. And yet there's the other side as well. There's the other side. There's the other side of worse. There's the other side of sickness. There's the other side of poor. And yet when you make those commitments, right, it's a commitment of love that you make. It's a commitment to say, I'm going to stand with you and stand by you through the thick and thin, through the hardships. I'm going to love you. It's a decision you make. It's a decision. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth in the New Testament. And this church was a, it was a great church, but they had some flaws, right? Just like every church does. And, and some of their flaws were they were arrogant, they were prideful, right? They had a lot of flaws. Uh, they also, right, had sexual immorality that was happening there in the church. Uh, they had some problems with the Lord's Supper. And so the Apostle Paul's writing kind of a reprimand to them in 1 Corinthians. And then he gets to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and he says, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. He's like, in the middle of the brokenness, in the middle of the hurt, in the middle of the decisions that you make, I want to show you the most excellent way. And what follows is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is probably one of the greatest chapters in all the Bible. In fact, a lot of people call it the, one of the greatest chapters in all of literature. I mean, it's incredible. It's called the love chapter. Maybe you had it read at your wedding, or maybe you've heard it at a wedding. But the Apostle Paul starts off, and he says, you know, right, if I speak with the tongues of men, of angels... But I have not love, I, I, I profit nothing. If, if I can speak and fathom all mysteries, and I know all knowledge, but if I don't have love, I gain nothing. He says, if I give all of I have to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, and yet I don't have love, I gain nothing. <laughs> and then he comes and gets really practical. And he gives 15 characteristics of love. And he says, if you're going to live in love, this is how you grow. This is what you should look like. So he starts off with these two. He says, love is, love is. And if you're taking notes, just kind of writing some of these things down. He says, love is. And the first thing he says is this, love is patient. Patient. Now, why would he start with that? Why does he start with love is patient? Maybe you heard about the guy who says, right, Lord, I want patience and I want it now, you know, because we live in this fast-paced life. We just, we, patience is not something we're good at, right? Especially here in the U.S., right? We, we want everything now. But here's the thing about patience. 
It's this, it's your time. It's your time. Do you know the fact of the matter is we're all gonna live, you know, about 25,550 days. That's the average lifespan, okay? 25,550 days. So when you give somebody your time, you're giving them the most precious gift you can give them. You can get more money. Oh yeah, you can get another job, you can do whatever, you can get more money, you can have another car, you can have another house, whatever. But when you give somebody your time, you're not getting it back. And that's why he says love is T-I-M-E, right? It's your time, it's being patient. It's being present. How many times do we get home from work and we're like, oh, I'm sorry, I, I, got, I just still got a few more emails to go. Let me get my phone. Let me return those real quick. I'm sorry, kids, y'all go play, go you know, get on Netflix or whatever, video games. I don't know, because I got to be doing this right here. How many times are we just not present? How many times are we not present with our friends or our family? Our boyfriend, girlfriend, or, you know, it's like, man, our minds are a thousand miles away. But when we are present, when we say you matter, you are valuable, and I want to give you my most precious gift, time. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is kind. You know, we can have a lot of t-shirts that say be kind, and we can have a lot of slogans in school and everything else, and that's important. But what's amazing is many times we come home, and the people we're closest to are the people we're not the kindest to. We'll be kind to strangers and then we get home and we yell at our parents, you know, or we get home and we, we yell at our friend, you know, we get home and yell at our spouse. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We wouldn't do that to a stranger. But boy, it's the people we're closest to many times, like Jacob was talking about. They see us at our worst. They see us at our best, but they see us at our worst. But can we be kind? Love is kind. It's important how you treat people. And then the apostle Paul goes in, he says, love is not. Here's some things that love is not. He says, love does not envy, envy. And that's important because we live in this world of comparison. We're constantly comparing ourselves. We look online, we go to Instagram, right? We're going through, well, wow, look at their marriage. That's amazing. They're always doing, they're always going on vacation. I don't know how they do it, but where do they go? You know how they, they got perfect kids. Their kids never make mistakes. They're amazing. You know, I, I don't have anything. Are you kidding me? How do they, oh, I wish I had that. And envy just starts coming into our minds. I love where the Apostle Paul says, godliness with contentment is great gain. What if we get to the point we go, God, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for my marriage. Thanks for my kids. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for what you've done in my life. God, let me be content. Let me not live in envy. Because when I live in envy, I'm not loving, right? Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love does not boast. How many times have we done this, Right? In our marriage, we're like, well, I, I kind of do everything around here. I don't know. I mean, they're, they're not doing anything, right? You know, like, I mean, I do all the chores. I pack all the lunches. I get all the I do everything. Or on the other side, right? I do all the work. I make all the money. What do you do all day? You know, it's like all this sudden it comes in. We start to boast. It's me. It's me. I've done this. Paul's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not love. He says, love doesn't boast. Love is not proud. It's not proud. You know, when Jesus came, how did Jesus show love? He served served. We're like, I don't like that part. I like to be served, right? And Jesus is like, no, no, no. Some man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Do you ever think, and you wake up in the morning and go, how can I serve my spouse today? You know, teenager, you ever go, how can I serve my parents today? How can I bless them? How can I encourage them? You ever think, how can I serve my friends today? How can I tell them how much they matter to me and how can I encourage them? Wow, that's a whole different level, right? It says love is not rude, rude. 
Let me just give you an equation here, right? Right plus rude equals wrong. Right plus rude equals wrong. I don't care if you're right. I don't care if you're in an argument and you know I'm winning this argument. If you're rude about it, it's wrong. If you're making them feel less, it's wrong, right? We don't have to win every single point. We don't have to know everything, right? We don't have to be rude. We can be kind. Love is not self-seeking, self-seeking. Last week, uh, Kathy and Scott Kuhn shared, and Kathy, who is our counseling pastor here at Rolling Hills, she said, a lot of people are just consumers of marriage. They're consumers like, what's in it for me, right? But what if we turned around and became contributors? A lot of people are consumers of church, like, what's in it for me, right? And when we become contributors, like I'm giving back, I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm worshiping, I'm investing, I'm serving, it changes that dynamic. But are we self-seeking? Well, love's not self-seeking. And then he says, love is not easily angered. Are you easily angered? Do you just fly off the handle like that? You hold it in and then all of a sudden you're just like, ah, you know? And you're like, well, there's so much tension that's built up. I mean, there's so much stress, right? And, and it's their fault. <laughs> no, it's your fault, right? It's my fault. Don't be easily angered. I know there's a lot of times I'll come from work and you pull into the driveway and I always stop in the driveway before I go in. I'm like, okay, God, let me just take a deep breath right here before I go in because I don't want to bring work in. Like I, I want to go in in love. I want to go in in grace. I just need to take a deep breath. Stop. Now, this is a big one. Paul says, love keeps no record of wrongs. Ooh, yikes. Now he's meddling, right? You know, because that's what happens, right? We keep a record of wrongs. And you get in an argument about something and, and then you go, well, you remember what you did five years ago? Five years ago? Yeah, five years ago, you did this. You're like, that was five years ago. Yeah, yeah well, 10 years ago, you did this. You're like, What? Oh, yeah, I got a whole book right here. You know, like, I'm just going to run through it, buddy. You ready? And you're like, well, we were arguing about who's doing the dishes. You know, we were like, where did that come from? But that's what we do, isn't it? When it says love throws that out. Love says, no, 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 I'm going to start over. Love says, I care about you. See, some of you, some of you, you've told somebody you forgive them, but you really haven't. And maybe today you just go, God, I, I really do want to forgive them. <laughs> I really do. I want to give it to you. I can't on my own, but God, I give it to you. Love does not delight in evil. You ever been there? Well, hope it doesn't work out for them. And somehow we think that if somebody fails, it makes us look better. It's like, come on. Love does not delight in evil, but love rejoices with the truth. He's like, you want to know what love is? It's celebrating with people. It's excited for people. It's when people kind of get ahead and you're going, great, good job. God's going to take care of me. I'm fine with that. Good, I want to rejoice with you. And then he gives these four things that love always does. He says, love always. Love always protects, always protects. That word in the Greek means to build a roof over, to protect you know, as men, if you're here, right, we know about protecting our home. We know that. I'm going to fight for my family. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to protect them. But also, we are called to protect them emotionally. We're called to protect them emotionally. There's little hearts. But for all of us, how do we protect one another? How do we protect those relationships we have? Love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always trusts. Do you trust the people around you? Sometimes we get a mindset where we're, we're not going to trust. We distrust right? Love always hopes. Love always hopes. 
I love that. You know, I love that about love. It always hopes. You know, sometimes we can pre-program people. Well, my husband, he always does this. Or my wife, you know, she just always does this. Or my kids, they always do this. No, 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 no. Hope for the best. Believe the best. Speak it into being, right? That's what Jesus did. Remember Peter? Peter comes to Jesus, and Peter is impetuous. Peter's always sticking his foot in his mouth, you know, and Jesus goes, I'm going to name you Rock, because you're going to be steadfast. Peter's like, me? Are you kidding me? I mean, look who I am. And Jesus goes, yeah, you're going to be a leader. You're going to be a leader. Hey, speak that into your kids. Speak that into your relationships. Speak that in. Love always hopes, and then love always perseveres. For better, for worse. For richer, for poorer. Sickness and health. Love always perseveres, stays with it, stays with you. He says, love never fails. Love never fails. And and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. Uh, But the greatest of these is love. Why? Because one day we're going to be in heaven and we don't need faith. We're going to see Jesus face to face, right? We're not going to need hope. But man, we're always going to live in love. And so he says, you learn to live in love now. Now. I want you to look back at that list. Look back at that list right now. And I want you to put your name in there. Can you do that? Can you put your name right in that list? Can you just say, Jeff is patient? Ugh, I'm out like on the first one. It's like, uh, you know, I mean, it's like, ah, uh, it's a struggle for me, right? It's the area of God's growing me. But can you say that, Jeff is patient? Put your name there. Jeff is kind. He does not envy. She does not boast. He's not proud, not rude, self-seeking. He keeps no record of wrongs. Start to put your name in there. Maybe circle one or two of those that you go, hey, these are areas I got to grow in. These are areas where, man, I'm kind of falling short in. I need some help right here. These are areas I'm going to start praying about in my relationships because I know God's working on me right here. Apostle Paul keeps going in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, when I was a child, I thought like a child or reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. I grew up. I matured in love. I wasn't treating people the way I used to treat people. I started loving people. I started caring about people. Uh, you know, uh, several years ago, I, I got a phone call and uh, in the answer the phone, I said, this is Jeff. And the guy said, yeah, this is so-and-so and I'm the manager for Dolly Parton. And I said, hey, great. Great to meet you. You know, how you doing? And he's like, well, Dolly and Carl are getting ready to celebrate their 50th wedding anniversary. And they would like to do a vow renewal, and they were wondering if you would come and do the vow renewal for them for their 50th wedding anniversary. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that sounds great. You know, I was like, that's, that's kind, and uh, let me know about it. And he said, yeah, he said, uh, Carl just went to Dolly and said, okay, Dolly, we're, we're having our 50th wedding anniversary. He said, Dolly, you can do anything you want to. He said, I'll take you anywhere in the world. God has been so good to us. We can go to any city. We can go to any place. We can do a cruise, whatever you want to do, Dolly. And Dolly said to Carl, she said, here's what I want. She goes, you know, we got married when we were young and we kind of just ran to this chapel and got married there in Georgia, you know, and and we were kind of hiding from everybody. She goes, I want to do like a real wedding. 
I want to have a real wedding dress. I want a real wedding cake. I want a real wedding preacher. You know, she said, I want us to get together. I want you to have a tux on and I want us to renew our vows and I want to take lots of pictures. I want to sell it to the paparazzi and I want to use all the money for the imagination library. Isn't that cool? (laughs) I just thought, that's awesome. You know, if you're a parent, you know what the imagination library is, right? You get books from Dolly for your kids. And not only in Tennessee, every baby that's born gets books from Dolly for like the first three or four years of their life, right? But now it's all over the United States and all over the world. And she just wants to help kids learn to read. That's amazing. And so I was like, sure, I'll do it. You know, this will be great. And, and I showed up that day and Dolly's there in her wedding dress. She looks up, she sees me. She's like, preacher, you know, and I'm like, hey, Dolly, you know, and, and uh, we just had the best time. We spent the whole day, you know, taking pictures and eating wedding cake. And, and then we came to this vow renewal time and I'm, I'm looking at the two of them and I'm thinking of all the challenges, all the things that they've been through. If you know her story, right, growing up in East Tennessee and, and just sheer poverty and how God just took care of her. And you think about all the challenges, her being on the road and all the things that happened. And here they are, 50 years of marriage, 50 years. And I was like, you know what? I'm proud of you guys. I mean, you, you've done it right and they're still in love and they're looking at each other. And, and later, you know, Carl said, he goes, Jeff, he goes, yeah, that's the most generous woman I've ever met. He goes, that, that woman, she would give it all away if she could. She just give it all away. And I go, Dolly, you got to hold on a little bit, you know, come on now. And, and he said, but we've been through a lot. He goes, but, but God's been faithful to us. And I was leaving that day. We had the best time and we laughed. We prayed. It was just this holy moment, right? And they renewed their vows and said, for the rest of our lives, man, we're going to love each other. And Carl, he puts his arm around me. He goes, he goes you know, <laughs> he said, that woman loves better than anybody in the world. She just loves better than anybody in the world. And I just thought about that. And I thought, can my wife say that about me? Would she say that to people? Would my kids say that about me? Man, he just loves better than anybody in the world. And Dolly's not perfect, right? I mean, she's made mistakes and none of us are, but she would tell you, right? There was Jesus. (laughs) There was Jesus the whole time. And her worth and her values in him. And for every one of us, guys, do you find your, your love, your life in Jesus? And then would you love out of that, that overflow of what God's done in your heart, your life? You know, if you just kind of go through that list, you could put Jesus' name there. Jesus is patient. Oh, Jesus is patient with you. And not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Jesus is kind. Oh, he's so kind to you. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And Jesus doesn't envy. He doesn't boast. He's not proud. He's not rude. Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. Think about that today. He doesn't keep a record of wrongs. You remember your sins. Satan reminds us all the time of our mistakes. But you know what? It says that Jesus takes our sins and removes them as far as the east is from the west. He remembers them no more. Praise be to God. Jesus always perseveres. He always trusts. He always hopes. He always protects. Jesus never fails. And you guys, when we were dead in our sins and our transgressions, when we were like Adam and Eve and we blew it and we made mistakes, you know what God did? God came to us. God came to you. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice and the blood of Christ was poured out 
so that you can be covered in the righteousness of Jesus. God loves you that much. And now will you love that much? Will you love that way? Will you sacrifice? Will you bless? Will you encourage? Will you love? I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a minute. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what challenges you're walking through right now. I don't know what struggles you're facing. But I know this, that our God is greater. And our God is here and our God is with you. And maybe today is the day of salvation. You go, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Come into my heart. I need you. I need you. I'm tired of hiding from you. I'm going to be real. I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to be authentic. Maybe you want to bring out the darkness into the light. There's some sin. You've been covering it up. Maybe it's an affair or an emotional affair. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's bitterness or resentment. And honestly, it's eating you alive inside. And God knows, just confess it. Get it out before him. Maybe in your own marriage today, you go, you know what? I've been blaming. <laughs> I've been blaming them and, and really God, it's me. So God, search my heart. Know my thoughts. And God, I come clean before you. I want to love like you do. Maybe it's with your parents. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's with your friends. Would you live a life of love? So Father God, meet us in this moment. As our worship team sings over us, God, meet us, search our hearts. Let us be honest. Let us be real. And let us look to Jesus, whose love never fails. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Be sure to share this episode with any friends and family who may benefit from it. And make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you want to learn more about Rolling Hills, download Church Center, our Rolling Hills app. Follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.